0: Take your seats quickly, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you. Hello, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to Tennis Week with Joel, Kim, and Chris. On today's Davis Cup special brought to you by the UTS Grand Final
1: Italy dump out Serbia with a comeback win.
0: Sinner, Downs, Djokovic in an epic.
1: And Australia make it into back to back finals.
0: Him. Today is the 25th of November, and we are here to catch up on the Davis Cup semi finals live from Malaga. We are back in our apartment, and we are going to be talking about the two ties we have just witnessed over the last couple of days Australia versus Finland, and today, Italy versus Serbia. I mean, wow, where to start with that one? We had Novak Djokovic versus Yannick Sinner in the singles. We had Novak Djokovic versus Yannick Sinner in the doubles. And Kim, it did not disappoint, did it?
1: It definitely did not. It brought us all the drama that we needed and that we wanted. The crowd were great. There was so much energy. It felt like proper Davis
0: Cup, didn't this, it? And This this tie, it just had no right to be... Well, these matches, I just feel like, particularly the the sinner uh, Djokovic singles match, it had no right to be that good. On the 25th of November, after a long, long season, it just, like, the performance of it, the spectacle of it, even though we're, yeah, we're at the kind of the... The very end of the season, it was just it was just flawless at times, wasn't it?
1: It was fantastic. And it almost felt like the final. And I, I keep forgetting mm. we've got to come back tomorrow for, for to do it all over again because it just had, had, you know, final vibes. It just had so much on the line. And, and for Yannick Sinner, especially, to, to defeat Novak Djokovic twice in one day. I mean, not not every player can That's say that cool they've claim, done that. That's a pretty cool claim, isn't it? It really is. And, you know, we'll get on to each of the... The match is in question, but I mean, what a fantastic day for for Italy! They are in to their first Davis Cup final since 1998. That is a statistic that shocks me. Actually, I,
0: I was a thought long it... time. That is a very yeah. very long time, isn't it? Um, but Kim, I will say, I, you know, we were watching this live, and we'll do some. We'll you know, we'll go into each rubber and do some analysis. But I I do want to. Call you out because during Djokovic versus Sinner in the singles, you know, Djokovic was three match points up, and you know our our kind of you know we we'd like to we like to have some churros uh, when we when, whenever we go to Spain, and <laughs> that first match point, you said to me one point from churros, and I think that is going to live in Tennis Weekly podcast law certainly for I think the next. Six to 12 months or so, because it just it didn't materialise, did it? And we still have not had any churros.
1: No, we, we are still churro-less, because <laughs> uh, after I said that, we had a comeback. Uh, you know, Sinner saved those three match points. He won the match. We he had didn't want us match. to have churros, did he? <laughs> no, he was like, churros are bad for you. You're not eating them. <laughs> um, and then the press, by the time we've got out of press, all the churro-rears are shut. So... Uh, we're back at the conspiracy. apartment. Doing There's this. a
0: conspiracy against us to have churros uh, in <laughs> Spain.
1: But yeah, I mean, I w- I was quite glad, obviously, that those uh, match points were were saved because I, th- you know, I wanted the match to continue. It went to five all, and then you know we know what happened after that. So. It was, um, yeah, the Churros aside, yeah, I was pleased uh, pleased with the outcome. It did mean, though, that because we had a bit of a delay between that uh, singles match and the doubles, because both sinner and Djokovic were coming back, everyone flocked out to Mercadona, the supermarket, to get their snacks before going back into the arena. So, um, I, you know, the supermarket was just rammed full of tennis fans like grabbing crisps and and all sorts
0: a definite tactical break uh was needed so we could prepare ourselves for yeah for for that doubles the the deciding doubles and i think i think that's been one of the things that's been great about this week in in Malaga is is doubles having its moment because you know we spoke the other day about, you know, what is the best position to have the the doubles and you know for I think for GB I and mean, arguably maybe Australia, it's like we would love to have the doubles in that, that number one position. But you know, when you do have it in the in the final position and then it's it's one apiece after the singles, it does bring a level of drama and entertainment that it just elevates the the doubles format, I think, that you don't necessarily see um on the tour. And I I do feel in that position, doubles doubles does thrive and you get to see these kind of unique matchups where, for example, today in, in Italy versus Serbia, we had effectively, we had four mainly singles players playing doubles to get their country into the final. And it was it was just very fascinating to see it from that point of view.
1: Yeah, it's fascinating to see how they all transition onto the doubles court, And, you know, especially Sinner and Djokovic, they were very tired. You know, they did not have fresh legs. But, you know, how were they going to, to, to you know, bond with their partner, to gel and just to get, get either of their teams over the finish line? And it was fascinating to see how they made that transition and then how their partners were, you know, able to influence and help them. And, you know, I definitely think Lorenzo Sonago was kind of, you know, the the star player, really, you know, in comparison to like Kek Manovic, who I think was, was looking a little lost. I don't think he... Is maybe was a natural fit
0: for that. That was surprising, wasn't it? Because Kekmanovic came in for for Lejevic in the doubles. And he has been a star performer for Serbia this week in the singles. I mean, in that first rubber against Massetti, yes, he lost that that first set on a tie break. But after that, um, he didn't really look back because he won it 6-7, 6-2, 6-1. Yeah, he's he's been playing above his ranking, I think, you know, this week. He's been showing off some very, very good tennis. And although Musetti is an excellent shot maker, we know he's got that potential and that that talent. I would say it's arguably up there, you know, at Yannick Sinner levels, but he's just not able to execute on the court consistently. And we know with Ketmanovic, he's always going to get that moment. And after that first set, he really did just run away with it.
1: Yeah, it was one-way traffic uh, after he dropped the the, the first set and it was I think two all in the um the second set and you know it was just it was very disappointing because you know you don't want the the match it'd been so good in that first set really close and then it just kind of you know went, went completely the other direction for the remainder of the match but Kekmanovic very solid you know arguably he he should have got that first set but he just hung in there you know and that was, a was fun very sad wasn't and down it? oh it was great yeah it was one of the best like sets I've seen all year I think to be honest and and definitely this week um some terrific you know shot making from, from both players but massetti just in the end just very fragile it seems to fall away very easily and you know when he's on he's really on but he just isn't at the moment, like consistent
0: enough. He's so frustrating, isn't he? He does blow hot and cold in, in matches. Mm. And, you know, in those second and third sets, I mean, the you know, the returning numbers from Ketmanovic, I mean, it just felt like he was all over the Lorenzo Massetti serve, particularly the, the second serve. I think Massetti only won 29% of second serves um in, in set two, 17% in set three. So it felt like that put a lot of pressure um, on his first serve and um, it just felt like Kekmanovic was in every single Massetti service game. He was worth having to work very, very hard and as a result, he wasn't really making any sort of inroads into uh, you know the, Ke- the Kekmanovic serve. And although he did win that first set... It almost like felt like to him he was like okay well, that's that's job done there I'm I'm expecting Kepmanovich's level to drop but that wasn't the case Kepmanovich just just got stronger and with that Serbian crowd backing him he came through very very comfortably in the end.
1: Do you think he was better today than versus Jack Draper when we saw him on Thursday or all similar
0: kind of level? Um, I think I think a similar level but I think a, obviously a different a different opponent. I think with Jack Draper you knew that he was gonna just bring his all and try his all consistently I think across the whole match I think with with someone like a Musetti I think you know you're going to get your chances it's almost kind of be you're almost kind of thinking just just hang on in there you're gonna get your moment and I think that's probably what you know he was telling himself after after losing that first set which would have been disappointing he knows that Musetti you know mentally can go um you know walk about we've seen that on the tour this season I mean he's not really been in great form of late I don't think he's won a match uh, in the last couple of months so from that point of view it was almost a little bit surprising that he was uh, you know he was drafted in I guess understandably so because Arnaldi did lose to, to botich van der anchop in the in the in the Dutch tie before but um yeah I think maybe there was a lack of confidence there from Massetti to get the job done because he haven't he hasn't had that feeling over you know the last few months or so and and ketmanovich smelled blood and and went for the jugular
1: yeah i think not having a match win under your belt for a couple of months that mm. that does really knock you and you just sort of have yeah. this, a lack of belief and i think I mean, it's,
0: it's tough also with you know this is a semi-final i think one of the reasons Massetti perhaps was brought in it was because of his experience um versus someone like arnaldi you know he's you know right for the occasion but yeah, without maybe the the confidence and the maybe the the inner belief um, of winning and having that feeling over the last few months, maybe there were a bit of self doubt kind of crept in as soon as kind of Kekmanovic got a hold early on in uh, in set two, and as I said, kind of just just ran away with it.
1: I wonder if also for Kekmanovic he was able to be, you know, quite calm and and consistent, knowing that he had Novak Djokovic in his team, mm. and you know he must have believed that Djokovic was you know, perhaps likely to get the win in the second singles like, like he did, you know, against Norrie?
0: I think we all were. I think we were all kind of expecting, us ourselves included, thinking, well, this this is going to be 2-0 Serbia. Ketmanovic has, has held his end of the bargain up and now it's over to Novak Djokovic with that, you know, incredible, what, 21-match uh, winning streak in, in Davis Cup singles rubbers. We sort of just expected it to go to be the Novak Djokovic show again.
1: Yeah, and I think just going back to the doubles selection as well for Serbia, obviously Kekmanovic off the back of having won two singles rubbers this week, you know, drafted in instead Mm. of Lajovic for that doubles. I know him and Djokovic have played recently at the Paris Masters. And, you know, Kekmanovic is a lot younger than Lajovic. But I don't know whether he was necessarily the right choice. I mean, I can understand why Troitsky would have put him in, but I just felt that his level in the doubles was not... Where it needed to be to, no. to defeat a Sinner and Sonogo team who felt a lot more inspired.
0: Yeah, the, he definitely felt like he was the the weak link, perhaps in the uh, you know in in the doubles, and um, you know maybe maybe it was you know he he felt confident on the singles court and he was hoping that was gonna transpire on the doubles court as well. I mean we've we've seen it work for Yannick Sinner this week. You know, he hasn't played a lot of doubles this season, but you know, when you're when you're playing good tennis, it, it doesn't matter what, what what court you set on. And, and maybe that was the thinking with Kekmanovich, but I did think he was a little bit exposed coming up against particularly I think against sonigo in those um you know those those trades from the baseline, particularly on the forehand side, I think at times sonigo just sort of was overpowering him from the baseline he was going for too much was missing and uh yeah there was like more pressure on on Novak Djokovic's side so yeah I'm not sure it quite worked out even though I I sort of get perhaps the the thinking that was going on there
1: let's look shall we at the Sina Djokovic singles match because that really kind of set the mm. obviously set the agenda for for that final with the doubles the finale but you know, Sinner Djokovic stepping onto court. Sinner knows he's got an uphill battle. You know, Italy a one rubber down. He's facing, you know, the same bloke he's faced twice in the last 11 days. It's one win piece. I want more, Kim. You want even more. <laughs> <laughs> so Sinner, that first set, you know, brilliant. 6-2 for Sinner. Djokovic mm. looked very out of sorts. I don't know if he was just, you know, getting off to a bit of a sluggish start. He did mention in press the other day that he's not feeling fresh. Um, it's it's at the end of a very long season. He's played a lot lately. I don't think he's, you know, in tip top health at the moment. I think he's just very, very tired. Um but Sinner, yeah, that first set, really, really impressive, Joel.
0: Yeah, I was I was a, I was actually a little bit um, you know, surprised. I thought it was just gonna kind of carry on from, you know, their final in, in Turin in the ATP finals, but Yannick Sinner it wasn't wasn't reading the script and he was he was fantastic. I mean he was serving big he was hitting even bigger from the the baseline. You know some of the speed um, of of his shots, particularly on the forehand side. The weight of shot. I I don't think I've ever seen Sinner hit it so almost like so quickly before because um, it was you know at times it was just going past Djokovic in a in a flash and the set sort of just passed. Novak Djokovic by and I think it, it was almost the first time this week I think that someone has managed to silence the the Serbian crowd because they went into their shell a little bit and I think they were a little bit surprised with how Yannick Sima has come out but I think you know he loves playing for the team he loves playing for the team I think he he talks about it in terms of like this is his source of you know yes it is a long season yes I am knackered but I genuinely feel like he looks over to the bench he looks at you know Volandri his captain and it does provide him that source of energy that just kind of keeps him going keeps him motivated and uh yeah it it it, it took him to a very kind of comfortable kind of first set in the end and it needed a big response from Novak Djokovic and that is what we got
1: yeah the second set you know different story 16 it was a role reversal Yeah, I think Sinner lost a lot of like energy and and momentum and Djokovic Mm. just stepped his level up a lot. um, And that brought us into, you know, a deciding set, which, you know, Djokovic was serving first, which I think, you know, obviously always an advantage, putting a lot more pressure on Sinner, having to keep holding his serve. You know, I think Djokovic, most of that set, he was holding serve quite easily and there was a lot more pressure on Sinner.
0: He was asking the questions, wasn't he, um, in that third set? I think that's what makes it so impressive with how... Yannick Sinner just stuck with him. I mean, going into I think what f- five four in that third set, Sinner had played fifty service points, Djokovic only twenty three. So it just shows the amount of work and effort Sinner was having to um, you know to put in just to get through his own service games. And bearing in mind on on the scoreboard, he is, is always behind. It was impressive to see him deal you know with that pressure, knowing that effectively if, if there was a, a break or even a double break whatever probably going to cost Italy um you know a chance of being in the final
1: yeah I was very impressed that he managed to not just stick with Djokovic but really yeah mm. defend so well on his serve and I mean it did get to that 5-4 and you know he very quickly went three match points down you know love 40 and we kind of all thought that was it <laughs> Here we go. Off for Churros. Where's the the Churria? (laughs) And, you know, that first match point, Djokovic error, and then Sinner, you know, saving uh, the next two with, with some booming serves and just, you know, managing to hold. And then it was five all. And, you know, he got the break, held again, served it out. And, you know, Bob's your uncle you're into deciding doubles. And I just, yeah, it kind of all happened very quickly, didn't it? And I know Djokovic said that in in press, like you you have, you know, all these points are so quick. Um, And actually they were both asked about those three match points in press. So I think we should probably, um, you know, hear from the horse's mouth what they had to say about it. I know that it was a really uh, important, obviously, um, Important game. Um, we we changed not for so long for new balls. So I knew if I'm gonna serve well, that maybe I have some free points. But I had to stay in the present moment. It was left 40, and he missed a quite easy backhand, which which gave me a little, little bit of confidence and belief. And then after I served twice really good, and um, had nothing. You know, after this kind of games, you. you your your energy level and then mental level it's it's racing and I think this helped
0: me today. From Yannick Sinner's point of view, I think it was very insightful to hear that he he needed to stay kind of present and it almost was like he didn't he didn't see it as like oh I've I've lost this now this this is it game over for Italy we're all, we're all going home. It showed that he still I think had the belief that. You know, I I can do this. I can still do this. I can still beat Novak Djokovic. And I think, again, that just shows his mentality and I think how his mentality has evolved this season because you look at last season in terms of wins against, you know, top 10 players, it wasn't, you know, percentage-wise, I don't think it was that high. I think it was around you know 30, 30%, whereas this season... He's got 13 top 10 wins. It's the most in a season for a non-four big player since Leighton Hewitt in in 2001. And again, I just think it's that champion's mentality of like, no matter how close I am to defeat, no matter who the opponent is, I still back myself. And when he was on his serve, he spoke about the fact that, you know, the, the balls were fresh, I'm serving big. If I can just get some big serves in that is going to help my cause. And he was able to do that on two of the points. And maybe he got a little bit lucky with the, you know, the error from, from Novak on his, on his backhand side for one of the points. But I think it just shows that the belief he has that regardless of the situation he finds himself in, he's like, I'm not done yet.
1: And on the flip side, let's hear from Djokovic to see what he had to say about those match points. At
0: this level, against uh, one of the best players in the world, everything happens really really fast so i was in love 40 i was in the rally i missed pretty
1: neutral ball from from the middle of the court sliced long and then he he served a couple of big serves and yeah uh, maybe i had a passing shot in
0: 30 40 you know (laughs) but he was he was coming to the net um he was serving extremely well it was difficult to really serve
1: and he was hitting his spots whenever he needed to. Also today, when 43-2 for us,
0: second set doubles again, serves, you know, on the line basically. So you just have to say, well done, you know, when someone plays like that. Do you think it was just too good um, from Yannick Sinner, as, as sort of Novak Djokovic was kind of hinting at, or do you think you know that there's something else there? Because you look at the number of times this has happened to Novak Djokovic in his career he's only lost four times from match points match point or match points up usually in, in 2007 Nadal in in 2009 in Madrid and then we have Marin Cilic 2018 in the, in the Queens final and now Yannick Sinner 2023 at, you know Davis Cup it like it does not happen too often do you think this was Yannick Sinner's making or do you think Novak Djokovic had a part in it as well
1: I think it's it's got to be a bit of both you know like they both sort of acknowledged that it was an error from him on that first match point and it's just the way it goes you know it takes two to tango the both players are involved and it's just you know that unique circumstances of both players put you know putting things into it so I think it's just a bit of both but I think Djokovic was just very you know Accepting, He was very down in the press conference. They all were. Team Serbia were not happy. It was, you know, quite a gloomy vibe. But that's to be expected because Davis Cup means so much to to them all. And I think, you know, Djokovic said, you know, he felt as well, um, you know, separately. He said that, you know, he felt responsible because, you know... He
0: he, he took full responsibility.
1: His two losses that he's been involved in, uh, it's very unlike him. I'm sure, you know, he had the weight of the team on him really. And I think he just will feel that he's really let down you know, his his country and, you know, it, it, but it is sport at the end of the day. There's only, you know, he gave his heart and soul out there and at times, yes, and it was just too good when it mattered
0: the most. He did give his heart and soul, but he also he also gave uh, a little bit of composing, I want to say, for the crowd as well, because there was some fascinating moments where he just kind of incited, I feel, the crowd to just kind of whistle and boo, just bring it all in, um, you know, on, on Djokovic in the in the, in the doubles. And uh, it was fascinating to me because James Kiofovong was in the chair as the umpire and he was trying to like calm the crowd down. And you have Novak Djokovic almost at the same time, sort of insinuating, like, or, or intimidating and, um, you know, egging, egging the crowd on, um, essentially, um, what, what did you make of the crowd Kim? Because, you know, before in, in the GB tie, you, you know, you felt like the band, the crowd they showed disrespect to him do you think it was the same today or do you think it was a little bit more courteous
1: I think um Italy had the the most vocal support I think you know there were more Italians mm. in the crowd they had I think four drums in the Italian <laughs> section
0: <laughs> they had uh, there the megaphones like- as well actually which we we don't not often see the megaphone I think as the sort of accessory of choice in the uh in in the band behind the team
1: no but I think it's quite an effective tool I quite like it I, um, I like
0: it as well yeah
1: Yeah, the Serbian bit, you know, they they did have, obviously, a a Serbian sort of supporter group. But Mm. I think, you know, overall, Italy were making the most noise. And I think there were just, there was a moment where Djokovic won a point and sort of, um, I guess the crowd probably viewed it as quite antagonistic. But he he sort of, you know, gestured um, towards one side of the court, which was predominantly Italian fans And I think that sort of drew the ire of the Italian fans. And there was a bit of whistling. And that's when he then started kind of raising his arms and then going into conducting mode, (laughs) uh, which was quite amusing. But as he sort of kept doing it. And then at the same time, yeah, like you said, James Gotham was trying to tell people to hush. So I I sort of felt there was a bit of a... I think Djokovic maybe overstepped it somewhat um, with goading the crowd.
0: I liked it, though. I liked it, though. I think, you know... Leon Smith yesterday spoke about, um, sorry, Leon Smith a couple of days ago spoke spoke about he he likes noisy atmospheres and that is what Davis Cup is about. So maybe you could argue he overset them up. I actually quite liked it because it it, it sort of amplified, I think, that atmosphere, the unique atmosphere that Davis Cup has. And it just showed it, I think, in its full glory in a constructive way because, you know, it wasn't like... It had just come out of nowhere. You know, Djokovic was almost instructing it to, you know, to come on, you know, come on, bring it on. So it was almost kind of a little bit of, I think, theatre to to the occasion as well.
1: Yeah, it just, I mean, it was already dramatic and that just added a mm. next level of drama at that moment in time. So, but I think he was just trying to, you know, get everyone. I think he was just kind of using that as as fuel, like, like we said with Leighton Hewitt said that as well. You know, even when you feel like the fans are mostly against you, you know, you can use that and use that as energy yeah. for your own performance.
0: I mean, it did feel like they needed a, a, another source of, of inspiration because when it did get to that doubles, you you know, you looked at the Serbian fans and you almost kind of felt like, oh, the game is up here. You know, Sinner and Sonigo, they are, I mean, we, we saw in that first set, they have a more natural chemistry on the court. You know, Djokovic and, and Kepmanovic yes, they've been playing very well in, in the singles court, but in the doubles, they weren't as confident, I feel, in each what in each other's um abilities. And I was very impressed with Lorenzo Sonigo because I think he, you know, he was in some regards. I mean, he was the 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 freshest. He had he was the only one who hadn't played a singles match. So I guess there was a little bit of pressure there in terms of like he's got the the one up on, on everyone on everyone else on on the court here but i was very impressed with him, him from the back of the court but also closing at the net i felt like he was the most competent and confident volleyer we saw um, amongst the four of them
1: yeah i was very impressed with him as well and i think he just like sinner acknowledged the other day how you know the, how sonigo had helped him in in that doubles match they played against the Netherlands, and I think they just have a yeah they fit well together.
0: We sort of laughed it off, I feel, at the time, and then mm. actually we saw this match, and I was like, actually, yeah, like yes, that that is right. I'm I'm I was very impressed with how competent sonigo is on a doubles court, given you know he's more you know I, I feel like I've, I mean I've seen him more on a on on you know in in the singles tour, but yeah, he seems to have the weapons and uh, yeah, they they do enjoy playing with each other, don't they?
1: They do. And, you know, it's a bit of a secret weapon, really. I think he's a bit of an underestimated um, player. And I think going into the final, they're going to need, if it gets to the doubles, they're going to need an amazing doubles pairing because Australia have, you know, a world beating doubles pairing of Purcell and Ebden, you know, very professional. You know, they are, they're both players that are so experienced in doubles. They apply their trade on the doubles tour and, I think if it goes to the doubles in the final then it's going to be you know Australia really is the favorites in that instance. So it's it's going to be it's going to be interesting tomorrow to see well who the matchups are and if we well if we even get to the doubles. I mean mm. that that first singles rubber is is what sort of baffling me. I d- I don't know who's going to play at this
0: stage. Yeah, it's it's tough. I think you know for Australia it feels like Popper in is is a is a, is the cert there but for Italy you, you can make cases I think for for you know for all three I mean massetti and Arnaldi i I guess you know they they have both lost their last you know their their last opportunities um in that position so do you do you throw it over to Lorenzo sonigo who we've seen has been playing great tennis on the doubles court maybe you say to him look we can't let this go to a doubles. Do what you're doing on the doubles court in the singles, presumably against Popper in um, in that, in that first rubber, and get us off to a good start so that you know we can give presumably again Yannick Sinner that best opportunity uh, to go in and clinch the victory for for Italy against uh, Alex de Menor.
1: Yeah, it's tricky. It depends, I guess, how fresh some of the players are. I mean, if Sonago is is he fresh enough to then start off tomorrow in the you know, he hasn't played singles this week and then if if he's then needed for the doubles, if it gets there I mean it's it's a very tricky one. I wouldn't want to be a team captain, I have to say. Um like who who would you go for? And uh What's your gut back feeling at, I don't know, I've just been looking back at Italy's Davis Cup ties, you know, back in September when they had uh, they were up against Canada, Chile, and Sweden. You know, Sonago was playing in the singles then, but obviously Sinner wasn't involved in that. So I think they played Arnaldi and and Sonago in the, in the singles. But yeah, I think Popper in for Australia, and I think maybe they'll still go with Massetti just because you know he is he is the highest ranked of of them all. And although he hasn't got that that match win in in a while, you know, if he can play like he did at the end of the first set today. Then oh, can he know, get over the finish line? I mean, I don't. I'm know. I'm not I'd... sure. I'm
0: not sure. Mm. I think if if Massetti buckled under the pressure of of a semi final, and you know, in a, in a winning position from a, from a set up, if I'm captain, I'm not sure. Maybe I would have the confidence to to play you in in the final. And I, I, again, I'm I'm just like I don't know if there's a specific reason we haven't seen Sonigo in the singles but I would almost look to him and be like you're playing the best tennis mm. I have seen uh, you know beyond Yannick Sinner out of you Massetti and Arnaldi can you go and do it for me on the singles court I personally would bring in Sonigo.
1: I think Popperin's gonna get that match regardless I think and I think Sinner is likely to beat Alex de Manor. you know he's never actually lost to Alex de menor I think he's got 5-0 and o head-to-head over him so I think we're looking at you know A doubles finale and probably a very late finish as well because the tennis doesn't start till four local time and so if it goes the distance i think it could be a very late night and it could we could have some dramatic scenes in the in the doubles tomorrow as well
0: is there any worry that that the tennis will catch up with with yannick sinner tomorrow he's got alex de menor who's known as one of the hardest working players you know on on the court we speak about his movement he seems to be absolutely everywhere kind of roadrunner-esque is there a worry that this is almost like the worst type of opponent um, regardless of the head-to-head which is is very much in favourable uh, very much in favour of Yannick Sinner is there a worry that Yannick Sinner has just put, put so many hours in on the court this week already Alex Dumano is the worst opponent he could come up against in the final is there a worry that it could catch up with him?
1: Yeah I see what you mean and I think if it then went into a deciding doubles he'd have to be doing double duty again and I think yes it it could well catch up with him but you know he is young um, which must hopefully count for something and you know you sort of think it's your last hurrah of the year you're just going to give it all you've got and sometimes the adrenaline alone can get you over the finish line so I'm I don't know it's it's really hard to say but I mean, Joel, now that we know both finalists, I do think we should make some (laughs) predictions. So I'm going to go for Australia 2-1. I think Ebden and and Purcell are going to be fresh and they're going
0: to clinch the doubles. I'm going Italy 2-0. Oh, okay. Um, right. I know. I've just kind of talked about. I think Sin is going to be knackered for Alex Menor, regardless of their head to head. But I'm I'm going to go two 0 I think you know they're riding on a on a wave of, of, of confidence, and I'm almost like you you, you can't defeat Novak Djokovic and Serbia and not follow through in the in in the final. Um, I just think I just think that. Um, yeah, the, the the tennis that they have been playing is, is better, but I do think they need to get it done in the singles. And I do think that the captain's picks are going to be quite pivotal, I think, from Italy's point of view in terms of, you know, if, if they manage to achieve that. Because, uh, you know, so far this week, you know, they've had to battle back from, you know, 1-0 one, one down, which is not an ideal position to be in. So, you know, you think with Popper in, who's still relatively fresh, you know, that, that was his first ever kind of live rubber, I believe, that he, he had won, um, you know, the other day in, in the semis against mm. Finland. That is an opportunity. And I think Volandri needs to think about who's, who's going to be the best player I have in my Arsenal, not Yannick Sinner, that can seize that opportunity.
1: Well, let's see what happens. Um, I, I just hope we get some churros at some point tomorrow, Joel. <laughs> so I think we're going to have to go before the tennis mm. because uh, well, there's no guarantee we're going to be able to do it after they've started play. Um, so you're going Italy. I'm going to go for Australia. We'll see what happens, but we're going to take a very quick break now. But do join us in the second half, where we go back in time to yesterday, uh, straight after Finland and Australia, where we discussed the semi-final and Finland's fairytale run finally coming to an end at the hands of Australia, who return to the Davis Cup final for the second year in a row. So do not go anywhere.
0: This podcast is brought to you in partnership with UTS. And Tennis Weekly is proud to be the official podcast
1: of the UTS Grand Final in London. UTS is the world's newest, most exciting,
0: innovative tennis league, playing an entirely reinvented game format that does away with traditional tennis rules. And the UTS Grand Final is coming to London's Excel Arena from the 15th to the 17th of December.
1: The Grand Final features the players who have won the UTS events from around the globe, guaranteeing the best of the best will be competing for the title in London
0: already confirmed a top player such as andre Ruble rublev gail the month monfise casper the iceman rude with more players to be announced including a local wildcard. so if you are looking for the ultimate day out in london in the run-up to christmas then secure your tickets to the uts grand final now
1: Session passes start from £31 and day passes from just £51 for a guaranteed six matches.
0: Go to www.uts.live for more information or use the link in the description to purchase your tickets now. We look forward to seeing you there.
1: welcome back to the tennis weekly podcast brought to you by the uts grand final and now we're going to move on to look back at the semi-final between finland and australia we are sitting by the beach uh recording this after the tennis has finished a couple of hours ago australia are through it's very
0: blustery it is blustery it
1: doesn't feel like
0: Sunny Malaga right now no. at night <laughs> no. by the beach with well, the palm trees. I will say, yeah, it's it's really nice during the day, but it does get really cold in the evening. So this is if you ever if you if you're wondering what that sound is, it probably is um, a gust of wind in the background. But yeah, it's great. We're here. We're by the beach. We're 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 having a beer, aren't we? We're having a bit of alcohol. Well, I'm having a beer. I don't exactly know what you're having because I thought you were going to order a sangria. But what, what what's it that
1: you call? It's uh, called a Tinto de Verano, which means like summer wine, I think. Um, it's like a weakened down version of sangria, <laughs> and it's cheaper. Um, I just didn't feel like I wanted to go for the full full the sangria. Full sangria. Okay. maybe I'll save that for Sunday or something. Yeah, afterwards. I
0: mean it, it the is, final. it's already way too cultured uh, for me, so I've just gone for a regular San Miguel as my as my pint of choice. No woo-woos
1: here. Joel. No woo-woos.
0: <laughs> um, we did have a look at the menu, but uh, yeah. I'll, I'll leave the woo-woos for, for the Finnish team, I think.
1: Oh, right. Well, they yeah, they might be slightly disappointed after today's action because they didn't even come away with a single set. It was, you know, two mm. two matches, two straight set victories for Australia. Popperin defeating Otto Vertinen in the first tie. And then Alex de Manor doing the business, uh, defeating Rusevori, also in straight sets. A uh, Frustrating day for the finish, but you know let's face it they were the underdogs Mm -hmm. and they've they've done well considering I think if you look at the the bigger picture
0: yeah and I think when you heard Jaco Niemann speak afterwards uh, and reflecting on the journey that they've been on this year to get to the semi-finals uh, from their point of view is a a fantastic achievement I mean what they beat you know United States in the in the the group stages coming through um, you know they had to qualify even to get even to get there so to go all the way into the knockouts then into the semifinals that is a very very good achievement but the, the later you get into the competition the tougher the, the competition gets isn't it and, and with Australia it would just it just proved a step too far even with Emil Roussevori coming back into the side
1: Yeah, and I mean I think again, it's another of those Ties where the first match is, was pivotal, p- pivotal really, you know Given Alex de Menor's mm. quality You know, he's 12 in the world, he's a very solid player He didn't have a great day the other day Against Thomas Matcha, right. um Sorry, of Le- y- Yuri Lehechka uh, coming back from the brink but today you know he was on He is form. like
0: the third best player here isn't he behind Yannick Sinner and uh, you Novak know Djokovic, about Djokovic yeah
1: it? and I think you know for Australia he's such a, a strong advantage and I think you know going into Taiwan Otto Versiden you know world number 171 mm. I think up against Popperin who was you know world number 40 big big golf in experience and, and ranking and he knew that given the, the calibre of Alex de Menor that he really kind of had to get the win um, because it's you know Mm. Rusevori had had it up against him as well Um, and yeah I think it was like they were on the back foot and going into the second match you know it did seem unlikely that they were going to be able to take it to a a deciding doubles I mean interestingly Popperin was drafted in over Jordan Thompson which I think was a really good move for Australia Mm.
0: I think it was it was necessary because they had been on the back foot in quite a few occasions in past ties, um, you know Jordan Thompson, he's a great player. You know he's had a, he's had a, he's had a decent season, but he just wasn't getting Australia onto the front foot, and it did feel like that was where Australia were most most vulnerable. So I think it made sense bringing Popperin in, and he he duly delivered. I mean he's had a what a whirlwind week in the sense that. He wasn't even in the squad Kokkinakis is injured Drops out Popperin comes in and then he's, you know, thrusted into a live rubber in the semifinals, um, to, you know, for his country to get through to the final. And he, he spoke about that victory being one of um, you know, his career highlights so far. It was, um, it was really fascinating to hear him talk about Davis Cup, what it means to him. And I think just generally, I think the sense of, of camaraderie and the respect, I think, that a country shows to Davis Cup. I think if you look at Australia they almost I think respect it the most and they cherish it the most and that's why I think they want the they want to change the competition because they care about it so much you know they spoke about the you know the home and away format um, as as what they would like to see like Lake Hewitt has is, is always kind of vouched for that but I think it just shows the you know the respect that they show this competition that it means so much to them.
1: Yeah and I think Popperin was asked about the, the format and um, you know he did say that no matter what format you play you know you're playing for your country and it obviously means a massive deal to him mm. to be to be able to be given this opportunity to showcase what he can do and no wonder it's his you know proudest moment i think and you know he did perform well i mean he, he kind of
0: you know sneaked that first set um from from verton and would be fuming that he didn't take that first set. i mean he had a set point yeah, didn't yeah he? he did um and you, you, it really did rest on that on that tie break because it got away from Virtanen very very quickly but you felt it was in the balance and you felt with you know Finland with the crowd that they had um it really was you know, on his ra- on his racket towards uh, you know towards the end of that first set. And he'll be disappointed that he wasn't able to, to kind of see it through and gain the advantage.
1: Yeah, they played earlier in the year and it was actually a similar scoreline, quite a tight first set and then Popperin running away with it in the second. So sort of a, a bit of a repeat of, of that match. Mm. But yeah, it did feel like actually Finland were the, the home team today. They, there was a lot of Finnish fans in attendance, loads of flags, um, really... I don't know, surprisingly high turnout. And especially given that we're in the knockout stage now. I mean, I wonder how many of them had booked tickets thinking they would have got even through you they know, the They were back first in their team, Kim. They had faith. Um, what I also loved was the, the choice of music at some of the change of ends. They they had Cha-Cha-Cha, the, the Eurovision hit for Finland this year. They had some other old school banger. So I don't know if the Finns were involved in picking that, but I love the, the music choice today. <laughs> and also I do like the uh, the Aussie song. That they they finish with after they've won. Um, I come from a land down under. I mean that there's a very sort yeah. of fitting. G- I mean, it makes
0: me a little bit sad actually because GB, we didn't we didn't win a match, we didn't win a rubber, so we never got to we never got to hear what our victory song would have been. What would you um, What would you have to, I am, you, GB, regardless of not hearing it? I am convinced, 100% nailed on. It would have been. Sweet Caroline. I can't think yeah. it, it can't it just couldn't have been anything else I don't think.
1: I think you're probably right there. It's such a <laughs> it's become such a sporting classic. Yeah.
0: I'm sick of it. I'm not lie. I'm sick of it.
1: Yeah. I'm sick of it. My boyfriend refuses to dance to it at weddings, you know, cuz it's just <laughs> overplayed now, I think. Well, we needed
0: more cha-cha-cha. Um or maybe from Finland's the Team Finland's case they did not because it didn't it didn't necessarily um you know help them in the end, but uh yeah, I mean what did you make of, of, of Vertanen's performance? I mean, Popperin, it, I felt like they were quite similar in terms of you know, the way they go about their business. Both of them like to come of step into the net and take the initiative um, you know, in, in the point. And you know, Vertanen's still a, you know, he's a young character. He's been plying, I think, on the, on the challenger circuit more often than not this season um were you we impressed um you know having seen him in, in person probably probably for the first time
1: yeah i have to say i've not seen him play before so i think overall you know i saw he had a yeah very um very powerful game some great shot making at times but just mm. too erratic you know he really had far too many unforced errors when it mattered the most i think you could tell that under the pressure the pressure moments he just wasn't delivering and so I think that's something that you know you learn as you experience mm. matches on this, this stage and I mean for him to represent his country at the semi-finals of the Davis Cup where you know, no one would have put Finland here at the start of the year so I think he should walk away very you know, generally proud of his, his experience
0: you, you do wonder if you know with the, the no-pressure Situation that, that Team Finland found themselves in. It was almost like a free swing, and, and as a result, you wondered if that if that would play into their hands in terms of no pressure. It's all on Australia. They got to the final here last year. They're expected to 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 repeat that. Perhaps go one further, and you wondered if that was going to play into into Finland's hands. But you know, Popperin, to his credit, you know he came in and. He just delivered some really, really good tennis. I think we we know there's a really decent tennis player inside of him, but I just don't feel like across the season we see it we see it enough.
1: Yeah, I think we've seen flashes of it in the past, mm. but he um it just hasn't had that big breakthrough really yet. I know he, he did have a big win at the I think at the Australian Open earlier in the year, but it's almost like we're waiting for for a bit more from him. Mm. So you know, we've we've heard about the impact of Davis Cup on individual players' careers, like Djokovic yeah. mentioned that yesterday. Um, so perhaps this will spur him on, and especially if they win come Sunday, and who I knows?
0: Think, and I think what's I know, and I think that's interesting you say that because I think particularly with all the young players, we've seen a lot of young players in, in press conference. We talked about you know, Jack Draper um, yesterday, uh, Vert- Vertinen who's only I think what twenty two, twenty three, Popperin these experiences are really invaluable to them and I think generally speaking with the younger the player they are the more experience they actually get from playing Davis Cup because it's such a unique environment and I feel like they can take all of that on and transfer it to you know their career and their game on the on the ATP tour so I thought that was yeah very very interesting and um yeah Popperin will be chuffed to bits. I guess the question is, Kim, what happens? Is he now has he now solidified himself as the number two player um in that in that second in in the uh in that first slot uh, in the tie number two uh, ranked player Did, has he solidified himself in that in that position
1: well I think for the final I would pick him hmm.
0: um you Not know Jordan Thompson and his incredible mustache well I'm gonna know, have to go with uh, you're I'm... biased towards the mustache <laughs> the mustache is biased
1: <laughs> I mean Hugh I think said today that Choosing Popperin was, you know, I think he said he it was, you know, he thought it would be a better fit against Bertinen. Mm-hmm. Um I assumed... was he just
0: saving Grace said you feel, or do you think he really meant that? Like, well, like, like Jordan Thompson, you know, he's he's had a few losses in that position um, in in their last three rubbers. You know, he lost. And uh, you know, in, in their last match, do you think it was like he's not in good enough form? We need to get we're going to change it up and get Popperin in.
1: I think Popperin has a bigger game, you know, mm. from his serve yeah. and some of the power behind his 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 play. So I think you know, if something's not working, you change it up. And you know, Popperin has has played today, got the win. I would absolutely play him again on Sunday. Mm. Whether it's I don't know, Kekmanovic or on Nalde, you know, depending on. Serbia and Italy You know, as we're recording this we don't know the outcome of that tomorrow um, and I think you know I think also with you know you speaking about young players gaining the experience you could say the same for Ruiz Savori he's still pretty young you know, coming up mm. against Alex Duminor, he didn't get the win. He was also quite erratic, a bit wayward and, at times. A bit injured
0: as well. A bit injured, yeah. Because he didn't be play fair. that first match, had a shoulder injury and he was very honest in, in press conference afterwards saying his serve wasn't, it, it wasn't going above uh, 200. He wasn't probably serving at the speeds he would have liked. And I think that showed in the stats because Duminor was... Uh, creating a lot of opportunities a lot of breakpoint opportunities and although Rusevori created break break point opportunities um as well particularly in that first set which was was very kind of topsy-turvy and Rusevori <laughs> going to love up um so early on um it, it was it was a case of like he had the you know he could he could do that but you know he, he also had he almost had to work that little bit harder I think to safe his own serve and as a result he wasn't able to do as much damage um in the in the returns on on domino's serve
1: yeah he was only getting about about 55 percent of his first serve points like winning them and you know alex obviously had much higher percentage and i think um with rusevoy it was just whenever he did have that opportunity he just wasn't able to perform in in Mm. that particular point in that moment and real shame for the you know for the local not I say local for the Finnish fans they're not local it just felt like it a just home felt tie. like a it really local did. tie didn't it? Um, but you know regardless of, the, of the, you know the injury he did he did his
0: best um, he will be disappointed but I think did you feel like he was trying to go you, you know you spoke about him going being too erratic did you feel like he was trying to go too big because he knew that if I'm just going to get into a rally from the back of the court with Alex de Minaur, you know, with his He's movement He's not going to win it. <laughs> with his movement all around the court, his court coverage, it it was much more unlikely that he was going to win the point.
1: Yeah, and he was throwing in a few double faults as well. And He mm. did say in press that, you know, he knows that Demenor is such a great returner that yeah. if he's just going to roll a second serve in like, that's not yeah. going to cut the mustard so he, he was going for big on his second I, serves as well
0: and I never realised how squeaky is Alex Demenor's shoes I know we talk about his uh, movement around the court um, is, is second to none and uh, I think the the kind of the, the barometer of that is how squeaky his shoes are um, across across the whole match.
1: I feel like we need a stat, you know, they show in football sometimes, like the, the kilometres travelled. <laughs> I think Alex
0: de Menor would no, have a very high... I think high we need like a noise meter a for de Menor's uh, <laughs> sneakers. The maybe.
1: decibels of oh, his yes. uh, sneaker
0: noise. <laughs>
1: Compare it to, I don't know, some of the the grunting we used to have mm. in the past from players. Um, but yeah, I mean, Alex de Menor, very solid today. <laughs> you know, be delighted to have got the win, putting Australia through into the, the final, they're second in a row. You know, they lost to Canada last year. Going into this final,
0: whether it's Serbia or or Italy It's gonna to be tougher than you'd think it's gonna to be tougher than what Canada brought to them and won with mm, you know last, last year. year.
1: I mean they are I would say Australia are the, the slight underdog. Uh, I think but they do have a stunning doubles team. Hmm. So if they can force a, a doubles decider, then I think yeah. anything can happen.
0: I mean, w- what was interesting, I think, was I think they would like more of the same in terms of it feeling like a, an old school home and away tie. We, we spoke to Leighton Hewitt after, um, after that second rubber um, about, about that fact and how there were so many Finland fans about and there was a small Australian contingent and this is what he had to say about it there were a lot of Finnish uh, fans in the crowd today, uh, we have spoken a lot in the past about the format and uh, you know, the home and away format um, going very old school um, did it today feel like a, a proper home and away tie given it felt like there were Finnish fans all around the, the court and the stadium uh, yes certainly I don't know as a player but certainly it uh, did at the start, I felt I actually thought the loudest was probably at the start of Alexi's match the first match, it did feel like an away tie out there um, I kindly smile, and I like that. I like going in and, you yeah, know, disappointing everyone in the crowd. So I was uh, quite happy with it. And as I've always said, I'd much rather have a, a passionate crowd out there, um, you know, enjoying the tennis. And I think that's what you know, Davis Cup's all about.
1: Yeah, it was really interesting to hear that it's almost like they they relish playing an away tie or having the crowd. Leighton Hewitt
0: relishes playing a a home and away tie, but he's
1: the captain, so I hope he transfers (laughs) that energy to his team because I think if you view it as an opportunity, you know, to to prove the the crowd wrong, and you know, I think you can you can use that as fuel, Mm. and I think that's the right attitude to have about it. Mm. It's a healthy attitude, and yeah, I thought that was quite interesting that he gave that insight when when you asked, John.
0: Yeah, because he has been very vocal. About you know the Davis Cup at the moment, he doesn't like the format. I've spoken to him in in Manchester when he was very grumpy and rightly so, to be honest, about the the scheduling as well. And uh, it, it 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 was almost like this is this is the environment he wants because it, it, it was like the the Australian uh, contingent were as much as much of a din as they were making. They were just—they were just surrounded by the the Finland, the Finland fan support, which uh, I was, again, I was just very impressed with in terms of, like, we, do we just not know? Is there like a massive? Expat Finland community in, in Malaga that we're just not aware of.
1: Yeah, I feel like we should have gone and interviewed
0: some some Finnish fans actually. Well, there was one there was one lady behind us, wasn't there? And uh, we we you know, we sat down in our in our press seats, and uh, you know there was a there was a Finland flag in front of us, and, and she pointed she pointed at us and said that that's for you. And it was a it was a little kind of pressure moment on us.
1: I didn't see you waving it though, Joel. She was mightily disappointed. <laughs> well, I have disappointed. to remain partisan. I have to remain partisan. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, it was pleasing to see it, and quite quite surprised. And I, I I think the atmosphere come come Sunday will be quite different. You know, some fans may be travelling in last minute, mm. depending on who who's there. But will we have such a big audience for either team? I'm not I'm not sure. There there was obviously a small Australian contingent. There was a bloke with a drum, but for the second yes, match, his drum, drum disappeared. We're
0: talking a lot about drums, aren't we, uh, at Davis Cup because Was it confiscated? We had the band, had the band yesterday for GB, that drum, uh, well the band in general just irked. Uh, Djokovic and yeah today where was the drum in the I we think it, it like there were Finland fans right next to that drum I think they had a word that's what I think that's what I think I did at one point I see, would have had a word
1: I did see the Auss- Aussie guys or sort of not bashing it in their face but it was sort of quite <laughs> close to their ears and I think I mean if I was sitting there I might have had a, a stern word as well with the steward um but yeah I think um Australia you know deserved winners today and we live to fight another day. And, and, um, and there was a nice moment with Finland at the end mm. where they, you know, they did Bound. a sort of bow yeah. to their, their fans both, and their
0: audience. I mean, both their... <laughs> uh, I mean, both their... Uh, exit and entrance was was significant because as you said the exit they were very courteous to everyone they bowed they just came across as very likable likeable chaps on on the court you know they they kind of they they had almost kind of were taking in and appreciating every moment given you know how far they've come but perhaps the bigger talking point was the entrance that they made because um when they had the team photo they had a no war sign um, held up in front of them. Now I believe, I mean, you, Kim, I know your geography is much better than mine, but they have a border with Russia, and it, obviously this—that is this, correct, Joel—is that correct? Okay, yeah, right. I can point I, you out gonna on that. Like. I'm going to stop there. I'm going to stop there. But um, yes, they they had this um, they had this sign out and. Uh, yeah, I thought it was a very kind of touching moment, um, you know, from them, and just to show that I think that uh, you know, it's still a very real thing going on in the world, and they're a, um, you know they're attuned to that, and they want to have you know their own voice, and what better platform to deliver it than a semi-final of um, a semi-final of a, of, a, of a Davis Cup Davis Cup um, finals.
1: Yeah, I think it's very hard for anyone in the audience to have disagreed with with them mm. sharing that sign, and you know, obviously other conflicts going on in the world right now as, well, there's always some conflict going on but especially of late with Israel and Gaza there's been a lot of
0: mm.
1: uh, conflict and it's very prominent in the news so yeah it was a, a very nice touch I think from, from them with with the sign to, to kind of lend their their support um, and yeah I think Finland have just excelled themselves with how they've kind of yeah. handled the experience and performed above expectations and it's it's been a pleasure really to have them in, going so deep in the tournament I think
0: yeah, it's it's been it's been great for them. I think the question will now inevitably be for twenty twenty four: How do they back it up? Because they've, I think, surpassed everyone's expectations. the the measure The, the measuring bar is now going to be higher next season. And uh, yeah, I'd like to see them. I'd like to see them get back into the, into the knockout because I think they just offered so much. But to say Australia, you feel like they're a team on a mission. Runners up last year, back into the final. We'll have to wait and see who they who they face, but you just sense that the camaraderie they have. They've got Layton Hewitt; he's been there, done that. Uh, you know, a fair few times before as well. They are very well set up in terms of delivering um, in terms of delivering. I think a, a title now, and um, it'll be it'll be fascinating. It'll be fascinating to see. Um, so yeah, we don't. We obviously don't know who it is, um, because of when we're recording, but um it's going to be tough, I think, regardless of of who they get.
1: And on a less serious note, Joel, I hope that we hear cha 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 in the in the final. Oh, I'm going to. Can I put a request in to the I want to hear more M- land down under. The MC cha 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 cha. Honestly, it's such a tune. I've, I've got it stuck in my head now.
0: Oh well, it, it was stuck in my oh. head earlier. It had it had replaced. Feliz Navidad um, but actually maybe I need Felice Navidad back in my head because I can't stand uh, we'll put we'll
1: that Uber to go back to the airport <laughs> shall we on Monday we need that
0: Uber man where is that Uber man <laughs> uh, right uh, we're going to end it there though uh, listeners I hope you've enjoyed our latest episode of the Tennis Weekly Podcast remember to subscribe to us to stay up to date on all the actions still to come from Malaga our final episode from our trip the Davis Cup Final, very, very exciting indeed. We're on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and all major podcasting platforms out there. And if you like what you're hearing, then please make sure to leave us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify
1: you can also follow us on social media or email the show we're on facebook instagram tiktok youtube and x our handle is at tennis weekly pod you can also purchase tennis weekly merchandise at etsy.com slash shop slash tennis weekly podcast you know we do some excellent tote bags perfect for the beach i know very Um, very good (laughs) and do email us as well if you'd like tennisweeklypod at gmail.com and don't forget to check out our website tennisweekly.com uk
0: and we will be back on sunday evening from malaga for our finals catch up brought to you by uts grand final so i hope you can join us for that but in the meantime it's goodbye from kim adios and it's goodbye from me we'll see you again soon